0: All right. Hey, it's great to be with you today. And thank you, Pastor John, for that word of encouragement. And I'm very honored. I could be a part of the loved one initiative. And I was uh, visiting in the early service, the 830 crowd, and I got to meet a lot of different people. I got in here a little late, so I didn't get to shake everybody's hand, but people are so nice and warm here. In fact, in the early service, I was visiting with a lady, she was probably in her mid eighties. And she said to me, you know, you may, you are for a bald headed man. You're a very good looking guy. And I thought, well, that's so nice of you to say that. It really is. And she said, and when you smile, you really even get better looking. And I kept smiling and smiling on. But that, I'll make sure my wife hears that word. I don't know if she was flirting with me or what she was doing. But anyway, (laughs) she made me feel very, very welcome. You know, have you ever played the what if game before? You know, we've done it, right? What if I get that new house or if I get that promotion at work? Or if you're a teenager and you're some teenagers in here, what if I get that new car? Wouldn't that be really, really cool? And if you're, you've got kids or you've got grandkids, you might even think something like, well, what if my kids or grandkids, they graduate from high school and they graduate with honors and they get that big scholarship, wouldn't that be awesome? Those are certainly cool things. But I want you to imagine about these what-ifs. what ifs. What if you could eradicate world hunger, would you do it? What if you could provide the cure for this little girl's disease? Would you do it? As big as those are, and those are very, very big, there's another what if that every one of us in this room can live out that makes an impact for all eternity, and every one of us can do it. And we're going to be looking at the book of Acts today. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bible to the book of Acts, I encourage you to do that. And you may want to consider highlighting a few words along the way. But over these next few minutes, I want to take us back in time to look at the early Christians, the early apostles. And what if we could live out our faith with the boldness of those apostles? So if you've got your Bible, let's look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. And here we find where Jesus gives his final instructions to the disciples. If you will, it became their marching orders. It was their first priority Jesus was laying out for them. So look there at Acts chapter one, verse eight. Listen to what it says. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now. Let's back up for a second, get a little context. Let's let's remember about the people that he was talking to. First, they started following Jesus and they walked with him for the 3 years that he had his earthly ministry. And then they were devastated when he was crucified. And then he's resurrected, he comes back and now they're on this emotional roller coaster and they they're getting to walk with him another 40 days and then he tells them, "I'm about to leave. I'm going." And then he drops this on them. He says, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're probably like, what are you talking about? They had no concept. We know what the Holy Spirit is. We understand the power of the Holy Spirit. They had no concept at all. So imagine what they were going through. And, And then he says this, not only are you going to be a witness for me here, but to the ends of the earth. Can you imagine what they had been thinking. It would have blown my mind. It blows my mind even today, understanding scripture much less in that context. And as we read further in Acts, we see what the disciples did with those instructions. If you would look at Acts chapter four, Acts chapter four, 29 through 31. So Jesus has shared this with them. Now we go on a few chapters and what are they doing with the instructions they received from Jesus? Acts 4, 29 through 31 gives us a little insight. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, he says. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now just kind of follow that. As they were meeting, they were praying. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then they began to speak the word boldly. There's a a sequence there. When they're filled with the Holy Spirit, then they're able to speak the word boldly with boldness. What did the early Christians pray for? They prayed for boldness. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you prayed for boldness? Maybe something we need to consider doing. Maybe we're not bold in our faith because we don't ask for boldness because it can get uncomfortable, right? They prayed for boldness. And it says, after they prayed, I just can't wrap my mind around this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. When's the last time that's happened here? We come, we pray, we get before God, the Holy Spirit falls and the place is shaken. What have we gathered to pray? We gathered to pray and this meeting place began to shake. You know, I wish I could give you an incredible testimony of that happening to me last week or a month ago or a year. I can't tell you that's ever happened. But I can tell you this, I've had some incredible moments of prayer that my heart was shaking A number of years ago, this is about 10 years ago now, I was praying one morning and I happened to be reading scripture and reading the gospel of Luke and I ran across the passage, Luke 10, 2. Most of you are familiar with that where it says, pray to the Lord of harvest for the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I've read that 500 times. And for whatever reason, when I read that, it's almost like God tattooed that on my brain and my heart. I could not get it off my mind. Pray to the Lord of Harvest. And as I thought during that day, it just kept coming up and kept coming up. Then I kind of let it go. That night as I was sleeping, I had this very vivid dream. My grandfather in the ministry, Dr. Clifton Tennyson, where I served my first stint of ministry, I was a deacon and I became a staff member at First West Monroe. He was my grandfather in the ministry. He's been with Jesus for probably 25 years. Dr. Clifton Tennyson comes to me in this dream. And I'm I'm lying there and he comes over me and he he says, Scotty, God has given you a new assignment. He said, this is gonna be a very tough assignment. It's gonna require lots of meetings and lots of travel. And then he says to me, I will be praying for you, but I'm tired, I'm going back to rest. And he leaves me. Now, have you ever had one of those weird dreams you're like? Now, what did I eat earlier in the day, right? It was one of those where I was like, this is so weird. But listen to me, when he came to me in this dream, he had a medium blue pinstripe suit. He had a light blue shirt with a red and blue paisley tie. And I can tell you that 10 years later, because that's how vivid and real that dream was to me. Well, you know what we do. We pass that on, right? Uh, oh, that's just probably one of those weird things. Who knows what happened? Maybe I thought about him earlier in the day. Well. A couple of weeks after that, I was back in West Monroe, Louisiana, and I was visiting with the new pastor there, Dr. John Avant, and he was getting ready to sit down. He was preparing some coffee. He just said, Scotty, I don't know if this means anything to you, but when I was praying for our meeting today, God impressed on me this passage of scripture, and he quoted Luke 10 too. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of speechless. I was like, something, something's weird. Someone's pranking me or something. Something weird's going on few weeks after that, I was in Nashville, Tennessee for a conference, Finish up the conference. The next day I'm flying back to DFW. I'm sitting on the very back of the plane. You've probably done this before. When you sit in the very back, you're kind of looking at who's the guy or the gal I'm going to be sitting with for the next hour and a half. So I get to my seat and this big guy, he's got a cowboy hat on. The first thing that goes through my mind is this is going to be an interesting flight. What kind of conversation am I going to have with this guy? Well, come to find out He was actually a missionary that worked with the North North American Mission Board, and he worked specifically with Native Americans. And so we just started sharing and talking about different ministry things. We had a lot of mutual connections. And then the thing that happened on a plane that you never want to have happen, this loud alarm sound goes off. I'm freaked out. People are looking around and he's acting kind of weird and stuff. And then he starts pointing at his watch and he said, Scotty, and and still going off. And I realized the alarm was coming from his watch. He said, I am so sorry. I can't get it to go off. But he said, I've got my watch set every day. You want to take a guess? At 10.02 to remind me to pray to the Lord of Harvests." Now, let me tell you something. I've never been in a place before where we prayed And it started to shake. But I can tell you for absolute certain on that plane, it was a whole lot of shaking going on. No doubt about that. God was saying something to me. What if we all stepped up our prayer life to a certain way that we started hearing, seeing God move? That's what I'm calling us today to get, this starts with love one starts with prayer. What if each one of us stepped up our prayer life and started praying for God to give us boldness, praying for people to be changed by the gospel. Now here's a very important principle. It's this things happen when we pray that won't happen. If we don't pray things happen when we pray that won't happen. if We don't pray. We need to pray. That's where God starts moving in people's hearts. That's how God moves in our heart. Now, let's continue on with this story with the early apostles. So look at Acts 5, 27 through 33. Again, if you've got your Bible, I want you to look at it. Maybe a few words you want to highlight here, underline. Look what it says in Acts 5, 27 through 33. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And then Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God. We must obey God. Going back to Acts 1.8, you may want to underline that. We must obey God. Had no other choice. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on the tree. And listen, they had to get a little upset about that. He's calling them out. But God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins of Israel. And then listen what it says. We are witnesses. You may want to underline that. Going back to Acts 1-8, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who what, who obey him, who obey him. I want to interject this. We as Christians are not lacking on truth. We're lacking credibility. We've got truth. We lack credibility that we're not living out. We're not obeying what God teaches. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. And then look at Acts chapter 5, 40 through 42. Acts 5, 40 through 42. It says, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they, were or, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, what? Rejoicing. Can you imagine that? Threaten them, beat them, and they left Rejoicing. They left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. And it says day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Now, why were the apostles this way? Why were they this way? And I think we can find the answer in Acts chapter 4. If you want to move back a chapter, Acts chapter 4, 13. In a prior chapter, look what it says in Acts 4, 13. I think it gives us some insight on why the apostles acted this way. It says that now these are the religious leaders. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that what, that these men had been with Jesus. Principle number two, when you've been with Jesus, you will become different. When you have been with Jesus, you will become different. Now let's do a little summary. Let's, let's kind of recap, make sure we get the situation. So they received instructions from Jesus in Acts 1-8. Again, they've been on this emotional roller coaster. They get dropped this news of the Holy Spirit's coming. You're going to be witnesses to not only Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth. They didn't know what to do, but to go pray. And they said, God, if we're going to be witnesses all over the world, give us boldness. Then they obeyed him. And when they obeyed him, then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began sharing the gospel. And they were brought in because of that and they were interrogated and basically they were threatened with their lives to get their attention, they flogged them. And when they were flogged and beaten and sent out, they kept rejoicing and counted their honor that they got to represent Christ. And they didn't stop sharing the gospel. Even though they said, you keep doing it, we're gonna kill you. It didn't matter. Because they were obeying God and they were witnesses. Now, that is the Apostle's story. And I have to say, it is a very tough act to follow. Would you agree with me? A very tough act to follow. But what about us? What about you? What about me? Can I tell you something? It's about to get real. We just had a history lesson. What about you and what about me? So I wanna pose to you three acts of boldness Three acts of boldness that everybody in this room can do. And can I tell you something? that has nothing to do with getting flogged. So you can relax. It's going to be okay. Three acts of boldness that everybody in this room can do. And here's the first one. Speak when it's easier to say nothing. Speak when it's easier to say nothing. And, and oh, by the way, it's always easier just to say nothing. Can you just put your mind about this? Imagine you being filled by the spirit. You're trying to obey what God says and you are now a witness for him. And everywhere you go, you need to speak words of blessings and words of encouragement. Did you know everybody didn't matter if you're eight or 88, you can do that. Be a blessing to people. Jesus wants us to be light in a dark place. Here's something I've learned through the years. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody needs encouragement. Here's the other piece. Everybody can give encouragement. Part of being a witness and being bold in our faith is by simply speaking when it's easier to say nothing. And this is what I found. When you start doing that, God will open up spiritual conversations for you. You will be amazed of the doors that will open. Rarely does a week go by that God doesn't open up a door that I get to share more than just some encouraging words. I can pray for that person. I can talk to them about the Lord. I can talk to them about my life-changing experience inviting to church, but it starts there. You're just representing Jesus and Jesus was in the business of people, right? Start noticing people. Speak when it's easier to say nothing. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Take advantage of opportunities that God gives you. Take advantage of opportunities that God gives you. Now, I could share a lot of different stories, but I'm gonna share one about my wife because she is the very, very best at doing this. Sometimes as guys, we need help. We can be oblivious that things go around, but my wife, she has this extrasensory radar. She can pick up when people are going through a tough time. So we try to date. We've been married for almost 39 years, but we still go on dates we have a blast. We have certain restaurants we go to. We built a relationship with people. One particular restaurant in Dallas that we'd go to, we developed a relationship with a guy named Nicholas. And I gotta be honest, Nicholas was a little bit different. He was one of those guys, he was a little bit different, but we just, we just had a heart for him. So we developed a relationship with Nicholas. We would pray for him. We would encourage him. I had an opportunity to share a little bit about my testimony. This one particular time when we went to this restaurant, Nicholas did something kind of strange. He, he literally sits at the booth with us and starts asking questions. Now, being a guy, I'm like, I'm ready to eat. <laughs> when are you going to get to the order time? So he's asking questions, and my wife, being the person she is, she just says, well, Nicholas, tell us about what's going on with you. And when, he, when she did that, he just leans in over the table. And he said, well, you know, y'all been praying for me, that I moved here from Florida a few months ago and my wife and my two-year-old son, they're back in Florida. And I finally have enough money that I rented an apartment and I've got a U-Haul trailer and I'm going back to get my, my family next week. And we just praised the Lord with him and was so thankful and prayed over him. It was so exciting. So we finally get to order our food and we get to eat. We get to the fun part. So we leave, and as we're leaving, we're getting in the car, and my wife says to me, well, you know what we need to do now, don't you? And I said, no, what? I paid, I left a tip, what do we need to do? We need to get Nicholas a housewarming gift next time we go. And I said, well, we'll do that, fine. A few weeks pass, we're heading to, this is a Friday night in Dallas, Texas, we're heading to the restaurant where Nicholas works. My wife reminds me, now don't forget, we need to go a few minutes early because we need to get a housewarming gift for Nicholas and his family. I said, okay, we'll do that. So we pull into Walmart and we're walking down the the aisle at Walmart and my wife picks out this big blue tub and dumb me says this, is that what we're getting Nicholas and his family for a housewarming gift? And she goes, oh no, that's what we're going to put everything in we're about to buy. (laughs) Us guys, we're dumb. We we need a lot of help. So listen to me, I want you to get this picture a Friday night in Dallas, Texas. I'm walking into this restaurant. My wife is leading way because I can't see where I'm going. I've got this big tub like this. Stuff's falling out everywhere and we're going into this restaurant to get Nicholas and his family this housewarming gift. We walk in there and to our disappointment, Nicholas was not working that night. And so the manager said, listen, he'll be here tomorrow night. I'll put it in the office. I'll make sure he gets it. And we said, well, that's fine. We'll do that. Thank you for doing that. So we're finishing up our meal, and the manager comes out and said, Listen, would y'all mind staying for just a few more minutes? Because Nicholas and his wife and his two year old son are on their way here. And we said, Oh, yeah, that'd be great. So she comes and breaks. Now, listen, this restaurant's packed. It's in Dallas, Texas. It's a Friday night. People are out there. She brings this big blue tub. People are looking like, what's going on? Puts it in front of our booth. Nicholas and his wife and his son come walking up. And I just say, I should have let Cindy say, but I said, well, Nicholas, we just wanted to do something for you and your family to welcome you to Texas. Just a little housewarming gift. Listen to me. Nicholas starts crying. His wife starts crying. I'm crying Cindy's crying, my wife, the manager crying, the people sitting in the booth next to us, we've never met before, they're crying. (laughs) Listen to me. We're having a housewarming party on a Friday night in Dallas, Texas because my wife was paying attention enough to the Holy Spirit that we took advantage of an opportunity that God presented to us. Can I tell you something? They're out there. We just gotta be looking for them. So first, speak when it's easier to say nothing. Second, take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. And I believe this, God is strategically positioning you and you and you and you and you you at the right place at the right time. All you have to do is seize the opportunity. Number three, third act of boldness find your one. Wasn't that a incredible, powerful testimony? I think her name is Ronnie and her two kids. Listen, you get kids on the screen and they're talking about reaching people for Jesus. We need to do it. Right. What an example, what a great story. So I could tell you a hundred different stories. Let me tell you about one guy, junior in high school, a friend of mine named Garrett, their church was doing love one a few years ago. And so he started praying, God, who's going to be my one? He realized this young lady that's a couple years younger than him was kind of a loner at school and her name was Bailey. He invited her to come to his church. To his surprise a little bit, she started coming. She enjoyed it. She got involved in the student group. Within a few months, she met Jesus. She was baptized. At At her baptism, her mom and dad came to that service, saw the change in their daughter the life change, they said, we got to start checking this out. They started coming. They both had a life-changing experience. They met Jesus. This past Christmas, I was told that they personally invited over 20 people to come to church at the Christmas service. And it all started with Garrett, this one guy, junior in high school, being obedient and saying, I'm going to invite Bailey. And the rest is history. That whole family has been changed because of that. Three acts of boldness. Can we do that? Speak when it's easier to say nothing. Take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. Three, find your one. Every one of us can find one person that's not going to church. We can't discover right off their spiritual condition, but we can usually find out they're going to church. You find that one, you invite them to come to church, you start building a relationship with them, you start praying for that person. Three acts of boldness. What would happen What would happen if each of us practice these three acts of boldness? You think it would change this church? Absolutely it would. In fact, it would change this community. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to stand and Andy will come and he's going to lead us in worship. But this is what I want to ask you to consider doing. You know, we're going to leave here today and you say, you know, that guy was, he told the story about the older lady saying he was a a good looking bald headed guy or about Nicholas. But what I want you to get today is what are you going to do different? If you don't do anything different, just been some words. I prayed hard that God would speak through me using the power of the Holy Spirit to penetrate your heart. And I believe when that happens and God moves on somebody, that it moves them to the place where they're ready to take a step, make an act of boldness. And so I want to invite you. I'm going to come to this altar and just in faith, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray, God, give me boldness. I want to obey you. I want to be a witness for you to the ends of the earth. And then I'm going to pray specifically for one person that I've been praying for, for 10 years for their salvation, a family member. You know, when's the last time, when's the last time you have been so broken and so burdened about praying and and someone not knowing Christ? When's the last time? That's part of our thing, we get so callous that we don't realize that all eternity hangs in the balance. Life or death, heaven or hell. And let me tell you something, when when we get broken and get burdened about lost people, we're gonna start seeing things change. Then all of a sudden, you're going to start saying, I hope Pastor John's preaching a good sermon or the music's good because my buddy that's been lost for years, he's coming to church on a Sunday. It changes the culture of the church when we start inviting lost people to come. And here's the thing. Lost people know other lost people. The reason that family was able to invite 20 other people, because that's who they hung out with. Right? It just starts mushrooming that way. But it starts with us. Are we willing to be bold in our faith? Let me pray for us. Lord, I know just studying through this message again and just reading the boldness, the faith of, of the, the early church, the Christians, what they were willing to go through to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. They were willing to be ridiculed. They were willing to be abused, to be flawed, to be killed for the gospel. And Lord, when I think about myself and I think about if it's not convenient, if it's not easy, if it's not on my schedule, What am I willing to do? So God, I just confess to you, Lord, I want to be bold. I want to be bold in my faith. I want to be obedient to you, to Jesus' instructions. His final instructions are marching orders to be a witness for you, not only here, but to the ends of the earth. So Lord, I just pray, God, you move in this moment in our hearts in such a way. God, we'll see people the way that you see them, people that you love, people that are your creation, but they're yet to become your children. And we want everybody to become your children, that they can be a a son or a daughter of the King. So God, in this moment, I just pray you just speak to us. You just burden us, break us to see people the way you see them. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, I want you to stand and I wanna ask you, come join me. I'm gonna be praying for God to give me boldness, I pray that God would lead you to join me to pray for boldness and for someone that needs to know Christ.